Well, it's a new podcast, a different podcast from the same guys as the other podcast. My name's Ryan. I'm Zach. And this is a podcast we call The Hero's Path. That's right. Uh, we we could not stop podcasting even if you tried. Um, we not that anybody's trying. <laughs> they might try after this one. We talked on um, The Complete Guide to Koholint, our podcast about every single tile in Link's Awakening, uh, that that approach would be stupid to apply to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it would involve, like, over... I, I forget. I think I tried to do the math one time and gave up. Well of over a year... how locations there are? Of, of how many named locations... And then the yeah. question was like, well, do you do shrines? And then, yeah, it just, it got out of hand. So we said no. Right. But. I never bothered doing the calculations. It's just stupid on its face. Well, that doesn't stop me sometimes. But the people wanted us. They, well, they wanted the Breath of the Wild podcast. They didn't ask us specifically for it. The the masses need a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So how is this going to work, Zach? So the deal is is that uh, both of us have played the video game The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ryan, well, I've played it when it very first came out, and I played it on the Wii U. Mm. Uh, I probably put about 70 or 80 hours into it. I did not 100% it. I beat that game. I enjoyed my time with it, and then I did not look back. Uh, Ryan, you've played a great deal more of the game than I have. Yes, we're not going to say out loud how many hours I've played um, because I would crawl up into a ball and die. <laughs> but I've, I, you know what? I think I only beat it once and then I turned on, I, I opened a master mode new game and just spent it, you know, uh, progressing through the game up to the end and then, and then i said i don't want to stop i'm just gonna play more and i've never 100 percented it depending on your definition of 100 percent, which is something we can talk about later mm-hmm. um, but i just find it such a fun location to inhabit that you know i'm not interested in beating it or finishing it i just you know i like to load it up and ride around on the horse sometimes yeah but uh, because of that i do know a lot of it very intimately mm-hmm. uh and you you yeah you have you've got a much bigger mastery in the game than i have and i've been looking for an excuse to replay it and so mm-hmm. when the masses started demanding a podcast we put our heads together and figured out that what we could do is i will be replaying the video game the legend of zelda breath of the wild uh, I will be playing it on the Switch this time, and I'll be playing the DLC. Uh, I'm not playing on Master Mode for the record. I'm not okay. brave. <laughs> and I'm, I I am going to try and commit to 100%. We'll see if that ends up bearing out. Okay. Uh, in the most maximalist way possible, 100%, because I want to do... I want to hunt some Koroks. I don't know, that kind of sounds like fun. Oh yeah, it sounds like fun. <laughs> we'll see uh, some episodes from now if that actually still holds up. 
but yeah, we thought what we would do as a way to talk about it is that every week I'm going to play Breath of the Wild for a set amount of time. I don't know, uh, five-ish A hours. normal amount of time. Like a, a good amount of time to talk about. Yeah. And because then... After that, I'm going to tell Ryan what I played, and then Ryan's mm-hmm. going to uh, run around and... Uh, how would you describe what's your, your, your work here? I will comment on the stuff that you did. Yeah. We'll just use... We'll use your experiences as a launching board. Is launching board the word for that? We'll use your experiences as a starting point for discussion of this game. We're not going to try and talk about every single little thing you did. We're trying to talk about every interesting thing in Breath of the Wild, and hopefully you will come across all of them. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and hit everything, because that's that's the whole... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to see everything that needs to be seen in this game, because there's definitely parts though I played the first time that I was just fatigued by the end of it that I'm just like... Oh, Girder Highlands, I don't care. Sure. <laughs> uh, that I need to give the game its full due. And so this is a good way to do it. It's also an exercise in, like, restraint on my end, where I only am going to be playing for a little bit each week. So this is going to be a very long playthrough, <laughs> which I'm kind of excited about. I'm kind of excited. I get to yeah. look forward to a little bit every week, a little bit every week. And I think we get to do a close reading of Breath of the Wild um in a a game that resists that kind of analysis because it's so huge yeah totally 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 um so yeah uh that's what we're here for that's our intentions um what do you say we talk about uh the first part of the game that i played this week okay what would you like to say about the first part of the game i would like to say that it's called the great plateau (laughs) um so I'd forgotten a lot about the beginning of the game because that was a long time ago and also you you have so much of the game after the beginning that a lot of that just gets put out of mind. Sure. Um, when I fired it up, I was waiting for a title screen that didn't show up because it actually just jumped straight into the game because that's how Switch games, first party Nintendo oh. Switch stuff works. There's cool. no title, it just jumps straight into the opening cutscene. Um... They did a thing with Breath of the Wild where they added voice acting, right? Sure. Uh, which I get that that's a thing that you do in your modern game, but as a side effect of that, and like I don't, I'm not gonna harp on the voice acting. I know there's a lot of opinions people have on the voice acting, and there's a lot of there's probably a lot to discuss there, but I'm not gonna bother talking about that right now. Uh, but the one side effect uh, that I'm not a fan of is. Uh, Link is named Link in this video game. I remember you complaining about this three years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you have a character who's traditionally you're able to name, and then suddenly yeah. that character is given... There's There are voice lines in the game talking about that character. You know, they have to commit to a name. And that bummed me out the first time I played this game. Huh because sorry about that i mean it's like the most minor of gripes but i was definitely like ah yeah they're just gonna say link now aren't they and that's just it's it's not it's not a big deal but it was something that i know when i first played i was very upset about (laughs) 
Anyway, so the Great Plateau is like the tutorial area, and well, yeah, I get I, that's a good way to start talking about it. Okay, how would you continue talking about it? Well, the thing is that as you go through the Great Plateau, um, you are in a fairly unique situation um, compared to the rest of your play through Breath of the Wild in that you don't have the paraglider yet. And I think that this makes it a fundamentally different play experience. And I almost want to say, in a certain way, a superior experience to the rest of the game when you have that paraglider. Because when you have the paraglider, well... We can start out by saying that a lot of Breath of the Wild is solving the puzzle of how do I get over there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they are obsessed with like you being able to see something from far away, and then you have to figure out how to get there. They do this over and over and over again. Yeah. Once you get the paraglider, usually the answer is, well, don't go over there. Turn around, find a place that's high up climb to the top of that, and then glide in a straight line toward the thing you are trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very, stuff. very fun. It's, it's extremely fun. It's so nice to glide all over this world. But not having that option makes those traversal puzzles so much more interesting Mm-hmm. And being forced into those situations throughout your exploration of this tutorial, yeah, um, it it becomes a much richer just experience of the nitty gritty of walking through the woods. Or it's definitely climbing across a mountain. Yeah, I would. I haven't played the rest of the game yet in recent memory, but it feels like a lot more of the little vignettes you arrive on are much more manufactured. Then, oh, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of segments where it's like, oh, hey, you're obviously supposed to push these boulders onto these enemies down below. Yes. Um, there's the whole ravine you have to cross by the while well, well, they kind of teach you to chop a tree down and stuff like that. It's very... It's, it's authored, I guess, in a way that I don't remember the rest of the game being necessarily, but also I need to play that to fully like verify that i think what we find out is the rest of the game is pretty authored i mean not as you know explicitly as it is here but you know it's it's hard to create you know just a world where emergent things are going to happen you just you know arrange things randomly let the legos fall out of the box yeah and something cool will happen as you go through the Breath of the Wild, the rest of the world, I think if you pay attention, you can see, oh, they want me to use a rock here. They want me to use oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a log there. Um, There's but, definitely yeah, a lot of that. it's very tutorialized. Maybe it's just the density of the area where a lot of those elements are packed into this relatively very small area of the map where yeah. maybe in the bigger world, you hit a lot of places where those elements exist, but they're spaced out more quite yes i think that maybe that's it because it is very they 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 
pack a lot into a very small little area. You have a forest, you've got kind of a flatland, you've got a, ru- a couple ruined areas, and then you've got a full snowy mountain that kind of teaches you about the weather mechanic a little bit. Yeah. Like, there's a lot going on on the Great Plateau. It's it's very, it's might be the best part of the game. And I feel like I remember reading advice to someone just starting out saying, like, take as long as you can in the Great Plateau because once you get the paraglider and the world opens up, but you have this paraglider that makes exploring that world a lot more trivial, um, it's just a, a, a different experience and maybe an impoverished experience. And so I definitely, the first time playing this game, raced through the Great Plateau is the other thing here. Right, because you want to see the, all the stuff. Exactly. It was There was an entire giant world, and I'm like, I need to see that whole thing. I need to get this paraglider and get out of here. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of the core experience there that you have to deal with. You have to deal with the, the four shrines that are the tutorial shrines and then the little the immediate areas surrounding those but there's a whole like third of the plateau that's just there that can be completely ignored and the mostly oh, sure. the for, mostly the forest where the forest is is not conducive to it doesn't really give you much of a reason to explore it yep. that ridge um on top of the shrine of is it called the shrine of resurrection yeah uh that the you know, the highlands on top of there, uh, I never got up there until I had played the rest of the game for yeah. some crazy amount of time. I mean, I find out there's a bunch of camps up there and stuff to do. Even the the river there, the, the icy river, uh, there's a waterfall there that I never went behind my first playthrough. And this time I'm like, what? oh, I obviously need to go behind that waterfall because there's stuff there. And obviously there was because it's a waterfall in a video game. <laughs> um... Yeah, just a ton of stuff that I I definitely the way we're sp- I'm spacing the game out this time led me to enjoy a little more thoroughly everything that the that it had to offer, uh, which was fun. That's good. Yeah, yeah. There's something I'd like to touch on. Go for it. Uh, because earlier we were talking about comparing this game to Legend of Zelda for the NES. Hmm. And we talked about how in Legend of Zelda, you can go wherever you want. You can run all over the place. You can go into dungeon number one after beating a bunch of at least one other dungeon. I'm not sure. You can do all kinds of stuff in whatever order. You can explore randomly. Um, what that and, and they tried to do basically the same thing with Breath of the Wild. It's an open world where there isn't... You can do things in all kinds of orders. But what Breath of the Wild can do, what every game has to do in the 21st century, is tell you what to do next. Give you some sort of direction. That's something that Legend of Zelda never did. Um, (laughs) Like, there's no... In addition to being able to do what you want... You have no idea what to do. In Breath of the Wild, even before they start putting quest markers all over the place, they 
try to in this first uh in the great plateau anyway they do a very careful job of hinting very strongly what you should do next because you come out of the shrine you see right away that there's an old man yeah from the old man you see pretty fast that there is that tower stuck in the ground you go over to that tower and then oh there are these four shrines that pop up and that stuff although you have that yeah that stuff gets spelled out uh, a little more um, deliberately than I'd even really remembered because the old man will kind of kick your butt and make you go along that path. Like, hey, check that tower out. Hey, you should go and climb the yeah. tower and look for shrines and stuff. Right? Yeah, it's it's it was a little more deliberate than I, I guess remembered, but I, I didn't remember the order of operations here. And then, you know, from the... Each of the shrines is put together in such a way that there is kind of an obvious way to approach it, and then there are some non-obvious ways to approach it. Oh, yeah. I Uh, mean, because it's... We might talk about each of these four shrines, at least in how you approach them, right? Yeah. uh, You go to the the Magnesis Shrine first, right? That's the one on top? Yeah. Uh, which is just on the other side of some water past a camp. It's kind of the first, like, maybe the first monster camp you'll run into. At least mm-hmm. one, the first one I did, at least. Um, I gotta shout out just real quick. This body of water in, like, the top right of the Great Plateau that I didn't really pay much notice to as I was playing this time. I was like, wait, how are people supposed to even get into the Great Plateau? And then I realized that that was, like, a ramp down that's flooded. Oh my gosh. And like the road yeah. continues out from there. And I'm the, as soon as I start playing again, I'm going to jump down and look at the, see if there's like a gate that's closed or whatever. Cause that's totally what that oh, is. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I, I just never put that together until I started thinking like, how do people even get up here? And it's like, no, there was like a gate and a gatehouse and everything. That's just something happened to it. So that's super cool. Good job. Thank you. Okay. But there's a, there's a, a pond that there's a camp and there's a, a body of water and you're kind of supposed to like the obvious we, we're gonna keep saying this that th- there's an obvious thing that you're supposed to do and then there's something else that you can do we're gonna say that about everything in the game yep buckle up you're supposed to go through that camp fight your way through that camp swim across the water or go around on top of the gate or you can just like skirt the outside of the camp, uh, go through that kind of swampy area, come up from behind and avoid all combat. This one's a very accessible shrine compared to the rest of the shrines on the plateau, basically. They want you to get to this one to learn how the shrines work. Right, right. Uh, but you finish that. once. Yeah, yeah you, you go in there, you get the Magnesis rune, and then you come outside and there's immediately all kinds of stuff to Magnesis. Yep. There's all those metal crates that you can pick up and smash. And you notice that there are metal crates in the water. Yep. Yeah. So it's a very good... Each of the shrines has something right outside to kind of hint at you what you need to do with it. It's very, very well done. Because then you go from there, there's the the Eastern Abbey Shrine, 
mm-hmm. which is kind of the cool. Now let's talk area. about how you uh, get in there. Uh, well, first because yeah, I say first you travel around and then get wrecked by the very first school camp. Cause oh that, sure. <laughs> there's on your way. So the monsters are on the overworld and they are in like predetermined areas for the most part. It seems like. And there's, like, skull bases where a bunch of monsters will hang outside of a skull. And in this first skull, there's a Bokoblin who is, like, a higher rank Bokoblin than all the rest. And he has been the first thing that kills me on all of my playthroughs so far. (laughs) Well, I can see on, because you sent me your map of your exploration of... My hero's path. Yeah, yeah. I don't see a X that says that you died here. Oh, I didn't tell you that because it only records like the most recent two deaths on there. There's a lot more oh, deaths. Oh, is that so? Oh, yeah. There's a lot more deaths than what's present on this map. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's that death. There's several deaths in the Eastern Abbey area. So you go into the, the Eastern Abbey, which is like this ruins of some whatever. Uh, abbey, you could say. And there's a bunch. This is where you kind of first see the guardians that are still active right they're limbless but they can still there's still this laser turret that's waiting for you to show up and you've seen because like we didn't mention that as you're approaching as you know all up to this point there have been different opportunities especially if you go by the temple of time to see guardians these scary robots that are completely rusted out and useless and then you see one at the eastern abbey that looks rusted out and useless but then it wakes up and it is a laser turret and it is about to kill you and uh, (laughs) i think (laughs) the eastern abbey one is the one that everybody who plays this game has a vivid memory of yeah that thing activating because it's Ex- terrifying. It is extremely terrifying. Uh, and uh, on the subsequent playthrough, I have spent more time engaging with that enemy and have gotten a little more comfortable around it, hmm. uh, such that I can reflect its shots and actually, like, hey, I should probably actually engage with some of the enemies here as opposed to just running away all the time. Uh, didn't stop me from dying there several times, but, you know, you gotta <laughs> learn. Gotta cut your teeth. Uh, there's a shrine here, but it's behind a, like, uh, rubble-filled wall Yeah. that you have to climb over and then go in. And then inside you get the bombs. The bomb rune, in fact. Not even just physical bombs. And you know what? I, I always think of this place as, well, I'm not going to go through all, you know, I'm not going to get past all those, uh, scary guardians i'm gonna sneak around the side and climb over the wall like a sneaky ninja and you know circumvent the intended path but actually although i might not have been climbing over the same wall you did uh you're supposed to climb over the wall (laughs) that's what they want you to teach i wasn't avoiding anything well actually you can the if the laser from the guardian hits that the bumble wall that will open the path as well so i know that's that's also something you could do to get in there that sounds too scary but why yeah why would you not just climb climbing in this game rules right 
you do the bomb trial. Uh, you get the two different bomb runes because they finally decided to do something new and interesting with bombs in Zelda. Where they're remote detonate. Like Minish Cap. Uh, Is that what they do in Minish Cap? You can, it's been you can, forever since I played Minish Not Cap. by default, but you can unlock remote detonate bombs in Minish Cap. Oh, and cool. I'm going to pretend that that's a reference to Minish Cap because I'm always going to pretend things are references <laughs> to Minish Cap. Uh, but you get round bombs and square bombs. And this is kind of a stroke of genius, right? It's extremely a stroke of genius given the physics system in play. I don't, I haven't because read yet. I, it's just occurring to me how thinking about this problem that you always encounter in this game of using the like overcoming the terrain and having to think about slopes comes into play when you're using these bombs as well you have to think about how they're going to roll down and if you think about that you know if you're very smart then you can use those physics to affect all kinds of crazy stuff yeah i'm I'm curious about a lot of the like dev interviews and stuff and if they've talked about much about that because i haven't engaged very much with a lot of the side material for the game so Maybe in future in the future I'll spend some time looking at stuff like that because I would be curious to hear if about that came out of experimentation of them realizing, hey, it, this thing rolls down when we set it down. What's up with that? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think the human species has been observing that for millions of years. You'd be surprised. Okay. Uh, so that's the natural next one after, and that's the one I went to after. That that's that's the second shrine I went to. And if you didn't manage to blow up that wall on your way in with a guardian shot, narrowly avoiding your body, then you come out with your bomb rune and you're like, oh, there's a bombable wall. I'm playing a Zelda game. Uh Uh-huh. The other thing about the Eastern Abbey is I feel like that's a reference to like Eastern Palace from Link to the Past a little bit. Interesting. Could Uh, be. Just an oblique way of saying there's a a dungeon in some ruins to the east of the map. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is also a callback to LOZ, which is just a thing in my head that I, I feel like that's a common... A, a, there's a through line there, but I can't prove it or anything. Uh, where do we go next? Oh, and then there's... The, so we didn't talk about the old man at all yet. Oh, no, we didn't. So, or, or the plot of the video game where you, Link, are <laughs> revived and given a iPad and kind of set off without really knowing what's going on much and you run into an old man who kind of provides you the directions of what to do on the plateau right yeah which in in the long line of zelda old men giving you cryptic advice and stuff uh he blackmails you into doing stuff for him so that he'll give you the paraglider Mm -hmm. it seems it's at least to me it seemed like a very like an HD version of the beginning of Legend of Zelda where he's going doesn't isn't there a sword like right next to his little cave yeah it's in the in LOZ you walk into the your no I mean in here in Breath of the Wild say it again you uh you come down the slope from the shrine of resurrection and he the old man has a little cave has a little fire going and he's, i think there is a rusty sword there for you to pick up right there's not in his little cave uh he's got a fire going 
and he's got i think he's got an axe or a hammer or something sitting next to him but the sword is in that little pond like sitting like plunged into the ground as if it were like a fake master sword Mm. and that's the first sword you see and so you can run over and get that sword and be like oh my gosh it's a rusty sword (laughs) uh it's very cute um but i was gonna talk about the old man because he shows up a bunch of different places on the plateau yes uh but he's got a cabin on our way to the next objective where you learn about recipes oh yeah yeah where he's like hey there's hot peppers here and if you eat hot peppers it protects you against such as cold weather and then there's this other sub uh, side quest that i never even engaged with my first playthrough where you can find him and talk to him and his journal talks about and there's a journal in his house that talks about a recipe he forgot oh yeah and if you figure out his recipe which is really having played the game before it's trivial to figure out what he's asking for uh and you make him that it's a good puzzle for if you have never done the recipe stuff before yeah uh he wants a meat and fish some spicy meat and fish or something like that i forget yeah, yeah. and and you have to, you, you having played the game before i'm like oh i need to go acquire a fish and acquire a meat and i have peppers already and then you make that for him and he gives you a cold weather uh top right the warm doublet yeah uh which i did not do my first playthrough which made mount hylia way funnier <laughs> i bet um yeah the so there's all kinds of systems in this game and the temperature system i think is kind of what do i want to say about it it's just in itself it's pretty cool it's good that they make you worry about the temperature and like having to change your equipment to adapt to the situation um in practice it kind of i have more mixed feelings about it because it's so cut and dried like just okay it's cold now so you just activate cold weather uh protocols um and it becomes i guess once it becomes easy it stops being interesting so as someone that didn't get as deep into the game the first time around i actually really liked the weather stuff because a lot of the other systems layer on top of it in really weird ways so getting way ahead of ourselves in the cold weather province of hebra uh towards the well towards the later of me playing the game the first time uh i did not get any cold weather clothes for that uh and what I ended up doing was just using all fire weapons, because if you're wielding a fire oh, yeah. weapon, that keeps you warm. So that became the the way I got around a lot of that, was using certain weapons and then eating whatever food I had and trying to layer that stuff up. So you end up having different options. Now, if you're like right. pro gamer like Ryan here, mm-hmm. then you can just use the correct clothes for the correct climate. Uh, but you can totally not do that. Or do like my first playthrough where I went up Mount Hylia just consuming lots of healing items so that I didn't die. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I think that again, when, because there are so many options for how to handle the cold, you can eat uh, food that's cooked with warm items. You can just eat enough like to recover your health that you lose from being frozen. Uh, you can carry a fire elemental weapon or you can wear the right kind of clothes. And I already mentioned that. I feel like I'm running out of fingers. Um, there's, there's, yeah, but there's, there's enough systems that can overlap that can fulfill similar needs. You can even like, light like a f- yeah, you can light a fire on the ground. Oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, because there's, there's so much, once you master all that, it's like, I'm just saying the same thing over again. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, but, I, you know, when, when you first figure it out, it's very satisfying. And um, so I I guess that this around here is when you solved that puzzle and got the doublet. Yeah, so I came down here, solved the puzzle, got the doublet, uh, scaled the cliff, fell a couple times. Uh, I just went straight up that cliff to get to the next uh, shrine. Sure. Uh, which is the Stasis Shrine. And Stasis is a really kind of bafflingly crazy ability that you get in this game. Where, if you don't know, you freeze something in its current, I guess, coordinate position. And then can uh, affect force well, well, like. If you yeah. before you do that, just the fact that you can freeze something in a world where there are you know moving platforms and there's going to be dungeons with gears, yeah, and, you know crazy machinery. Just the fact that you can so freeze many gears. something to move on, you know, so you don't have to wait for this platform or you whatever. Um, that's cool. But then there's this weird physics thing where you can apply force to an object while it's frozen. And maintain <laughs> conservation of momentum, I guess. Yeah. And then so if release you hit that... the rock, you the rock is frozen, and if you hit it fifty times with your sword, then it when it's unfrozen, it will fly as if it was hit fifty times in one instant. Yes. Uh, which is remarkable and extremely exploitable especially in speedrun contest contest yes uh and i remember some of the wildest stuff in the game involving that as a puzzle element so i'm very excited to play with that more in this game Mm -hmm. again uh and like the other ones if you can pop out of there and there's a rock covering a chest that you have to use stasis to get rid of yeah uh so that was three of those um, the whole Mount Hylia area is cool and cold. Um, it has a very fast-flowing cold river that you're supposed to go the other way to cross, but I did it backwards. There's, well, there's I don't a... know if you did do it backwards, if I'm reading this correctly. Well, you can, there's a, it, behind the Temple of Time, there's an entrance into this, like, cold area. Sure. And a path along the north bank of the river. And then on that north bank, there's, like, the remains of a bridge that you can reassemble with Magnesis to cross. Okay. There's also a uh, a boat, which is a whole mechanic that I'm not even going to 
think about yet. You could you could conceivably take a boat across the river too, but I was not about that lifestyle right now. Um, oh, up on Mount Hylia, there's a thing I want to talk about. Yeah, you mentioned this before, and I had no idea what you were talking about. Way up on Mount Hylia, there's a stone cairn. And I don't if you remember this, if you go up there, the old man is there, and you can talk I to do him. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What does he say? I forget. It's not anything <clears throat> groundbreaking or anything. Oh, he says, "From here, you can see the whole Great Plateau." Uh huh. Um, and then you can loot the cairn for gems. But I'm like, oh, oh. that's that's it's spoilers. I think that's probably his grave. Oh, because spoilers, he's actually dead. Yeah. He's actually a ghost, and I'm like, that's gotta be his grave. Well, but, Zach, here's the thing. Spoilers, it's the ghost of the king. And I don't know if he would be buried buried on cool mountains. I think that the tomb of the king of Hyrule is more elaborate than some rocks on top of a mountain. When I get to Hyrule Castle, I'll look around and see if there's a tomb there, but I don't remember... That that that's such a dense place. I, there, maybe there's tombs there. I don't know. We'll have to revisit this plot thread. Yeah. When we get more information on this. Um. No. Um. I think that. Okay. So you're saying that you come around the north side of the river. And, um. Then cross the river right away, and then come up, uh, the mountain from there. What I've that, done that's often one way to do is, it. Yeah. is kind of go straight into the um, the mountains, climbing up from the uh, stasis shrine. So yeah. that there's well, there's no point trying to talk about all the different ways you can do. Things. Yeah, it's the mountains are really open. There's not a lot of you're not like gated very much, so you can kind of amble over the mountains as much as you want to get to the last mm-hmm. uh, one of the tutorial shrines where you get um, Cryonis, which is a silly name, but a good name. It's fine. It does the it job. Lets you, it lets you make f- ice cubes in fluids. Yeah. Uh, I don't... From- I know it's useful. I just I that's maybe that's the one that I think about the least of the ones we talked about. We'll I see think if that about holds it up. a lot in terms of um, crossing bodies of water faster than by swimming. Hmm. Because you I, can create a series of stepping stones. Basically, does it work in the ocean? Hop from one to the next. Oh yeah. I don't remember if I've tried that, but. Hmm. I, I, maybe I think we'll have... I might have done some really long cryonis hopping at some point. Okay, yeah, but maybe... it works in the ocean. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, but those are the four tutorial shrines, right? And, and... we talked about them like they're in a set order, but it, oh no, you I, can I think these... it's just yeah. the order that the game suggests by way of like when you exit this one, the obvious next place to go is here. The yeah the, what how you would even call it. The visual vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, the kind of, of the, you know subtle, conditioning, hinting. I think there's a lot of that, especially here, but even later in the game, mm. um, forming the terrain in such a way as to make you 
think that you are being original and deciding to go this way when that's where they wanted you to go all along. There's probably a lot of that, yeah. A lot of, like, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. They, um, But that's the way I ended up going this playthrough, was that clockwise order. Hmm. Uh, and then immediately after that, the the old man shows up and tells you to meet him at he doesn't tell you it's the temple of time but if you've been paying attention you know it's the temple of time well yeah it's the place where you're probably the really iconic location that they haven't done anything with exactly he, what he literally tells you is if you draw an x between the four shrines that you visited then meet me where those lines cross which is a very cool kind of puzzle that this game does not get enough use out of. I think that making you use the map and like analyze things in that way, uh, there's a lot of potential there, but that does not carry through to the rest of the game. Hmm. I'll have to, I'll have to see when we get there, but yeah. Uh, but you know it's the Temple of Time. You know you're supposed to go there. Right. Uh, the Temple of Time is cool... It's very good. As a concept and as a place, a historical place in The Legend of Zelda, it's got that very slow rendition of the of the, the theme of the Temple of Time. But yeah, you go there and it's very much this landmark that if you've played the other big Zelda game, I guess. <laughs> it's well it's in it's in two well two or three, depending on what you it, it's in the other Zelda games as this iconic location. Uh, and it's all ruined and messed up. And then you go in. It's been attacked by horrible robots. Yeah. Um, and then inside you find the statue of Hylia. Who's like, yes. yo, I, can, I am a goddess and I can upgrade your stuff. And it's. Uh, I wish I had thought about this earlier. I feel like there's some interesting stuff to say about the goddess statues, but we'll get to that later. Uh, I, I can talk to. I, I say, I, oh, I can talk a little bit about. It. That's a carryover from Skyward Sword. That's a that's a whole concept that originates in Skyward Sword. Uh, the goddess Hylia and that statue specifically. Uh, it, as a mechanic in this game, it's good, I guess. The, the really quick for the listener the mechanic is that each time you finish one of the shrines you get an orb and you cash in four orbs for either more health or more stamina that's it it's perfect <laughs> yeah uh anyways you do that the game wants you to do that and then you go do the thing ryan was going to talk about you climb up to the top of the temple of time um onto its rickety roof that's halfway missing and then you climb up into the bell tower or whatever, and the old man is up there, and... And he reveals the big secret that he's not actually an old man. Although, you've already learned he's a well, ghost at this point. Have you? Because he, when he shows up at the last, when you beat the last shrine... Oh, he does his he ghost thing there. He ghosts away from the last shrine. Okay. So you walk up there knowing he's a ghost. But then he reveals not only is he a ghost of a person, he's the ghost of the king, the former king of Hyrule, who's got and a really good name? name. He's King Rome Bosphoramus Hyrule. Bosphoramus. 
which is just such a name. Uh, he looks like much like all of the other kings that have been represented in Zelda. He's <laughs> old guy with white beard. That, that's every boilerplate king. Kind of a he's... trapezoidal person. Yeah, he had very much identifiable body shape. Uh, and then he lays the story on you about the premise of the game, the video game you're playing. That... I guess in case there's someone who is coming into this blind, we can explain. Um, a hundred years ago, there was Ganon, and it was a calamity Ganon. It was a giant, oh my gosh, this doesn't make sense at all. What? Just the idea that, like, the... <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. A hundred years ago, Hyrule was invaded or attacked or threatened by Calamity Ganon, uh-huh. which is just a. I mean, when you when you see it visually, you're like, "Oh, that's Calamity Ganon, a scary hog-shaped cloud that's encircling the yeah. castle." Uh-huh. But what is is Calamity Ganon? Calamity Ganon is an evil cloud? Uh, so... Like... we're Okay, we're recording this uh, at a time that Breath of the Wild 2 is... For, the, for future future listeners, at a time that Breath of the Wild 2 is not out, there's a single teaser of it. Uh, Age of Calamity, the Muso side game, uh, literally came out today. Um, so there's probably a lot of future knowledge that will come into play to fully explain the deal here. But as far as we know from this game, it's pretty much that just Breath of the Wild original treats Ganon as this just evil force that is resurrected time and time again and has to be sealed away time and time again by uh, the Princess Zelda and her chosen champion person, etc. Um... And it's very much just a giant evil force, right? And it's not yeah. uh, as pe- as it, players it, is, who... it empowers monsters, and it takes over yeah. the guardians, yeah, so that's... that it can k- kill people that way. That but that was the big what trick. it is itself is like just a just a cloud that screams at you. It very much comes off as a thing that the history of who Ganon was slash is is something that was lost to time by this point. Mm-hmm. And it was very much, we know there's a history of this terrible thing called Calamity Ganon that would show up time and time again. And we and know so that's Calamity bad. is a great name for it, right? Yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's this force that we don't really know about. We don't have any real f- concrete information any which way. We just know it's bad. And so... Hyrule, all the peoples of Hyrule banded together and dug up all the guardians and the divine beasts, all these mechanic weapons as preparation for what they knew would be this monstrous force approaching, which is good, except it turned out that Ganon just mind-controlled all those robots and suddenly had an army of his own. And things went really bad. Yes, and uh, Zelda, who was supposed to take care of all this, uh, ended up having to put herself into stasis 
or something to keep the calamity from doing whatever it I mean, things aren't good <laughs> while she's there, but they will get worse if she's overcome or something. Jeez, is it because I haven't played this in a while, or is everything in this game just really vague? It's purposely vague uh, okay. in a lot of ways. And, and and this is the most like heavy story section, is right here front-loaded. Because from here on out, it gets pretty sparse, especially considering it's an 80-hour game. Right. Um, but no, it's intentionally vague. They, the fact that Ganon is this very weird, vague threat that they know is bad, but they don't really know any history or why. Um, the fact that like the mechanisms behind sealing Ganon are very weird. There's going to be a lot of talk about Zelda's arc about trying how she tries to acquire her like hereditary power her from her royal bloodline that is. Uh, very emotionally charged, but not spelled out very well, but mm. purposely so. So it, everything's kept very purposely vague. It makes it tough to talk about on a podcast. Not necessarily, because it ends up becoming more about the the themes and the emotional tone of it. It's, we're not we're not going to pick it apart. Yeah, but I can't metaphysically talk about emotions. <laughs> That's true. You're, you know, robot and all. Uh, no, it's it's interesting. Because I, my emotional intelligence is so diminished compared to my video game intelligence. <laughs> well, from a video game perspective, uh, Breath of the Wild tries to, you know, distill everything down to its most basic element. And so, like, well, we don't really need to talk about this. Isn't Wind Waker where we want to talk about Ganon's internal motivations? This is there's an evil force, and yep. you're the good guy, and you need to stop that evil force. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a lot of what they're going for there. So. There's a lot. Again, there's there's probably a lot more to sink our teeth into, uh, as we get that stuff drip feeded through the game, drip fed, and there's certainly going to be a lot more to talk about when the sequel eventually comes out, which should come out sometime after we finish this podcast. I don't think it's going to take me that long to play through this game. <laughs> I don't know. I think it. Well. Okay. If I do, I won't make any predictions. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's hard to say, but if it's if it's five hours a podcast and it took me eighty hours last time, half a year, give me six months, I'll have this game licked. I'm so glad that you made a falsifiable prediction. I love it. That we I love can it. Hold against you. I'll predict stuff all day. I'm just gonna say we're gonna record some number of episodes, and Breath of the Wild two will come out at some point, or maybe it won't. Uh, that, that could happen. You never know. Uh, I won't, you know. All right. Uh, Temple of Time happens. You. The king says Zelda is stuck in the castle holding back Calamity Ganon. You have to go there and save her. Yeah. Quest you, initiated. You get the really good quest prompt that is, it says like tutorial quest complete or a uh, uh, great plateau complete or whatever and then you get the quest notification that just says defeat ganon which is so good very good you just have a quest in your quest log the whole game that is just defeat ganon which is just again a very pure distillation of the zelda experience mm -hmm. uh and then you're gifted uh the paraglider the paraglider and now you can go anywhere and I yeah. think that next time we meet Zach, 
we will find oh. out where you went. To. I did want to. I I didn't go anywhere. I went to the forest real quick to finish up the last couple things there. What? The I went to the I I I went to that forest of spirits that I never. So the first time I played through the game on the Great Plateau, I never went into that forest of spirits. Okay. And in there, I just want to shout out how good I am at this video game. There's oh, okay. a uh, uh, one of the rock monsters, a talus, and I Fargus. beat that. I beat that talus. Wow! So I just want to. I'm just gonna pat myself on the back real quick. I need to get that on the record. Nice work. I Zach. beat a talus first time. I'm definitely way less scared of enemies this time playing the game than I was the first time. <laughs> the first time I ran from everything. Yeah, me too. So this time I'm trying to be a lot more brave and actually fight stuff. So, uh, but yeah, next time, uh, I think that's all I got to say about the Great Plateau for now. I'll be back to the Great Plateau eventually, because oh, sure. I, I know there's more stuff to do here. Yes. Um, I also found more Koroks this time than last time. I never found a Korok on the Great Plateau my first playthrough. I w- I found what I it was too bad because they revealed where one was in some. Uh, E3 footage. Oh, yeah. And so I wasn't surprised at all. I was just like, oh, I remember this place has a Korok in it. Did uh, not know. So did don't not... watch E3 footage. No, never. Games. Well, we don't got to worry about that anymore. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't know Koroks existed until I got off the plateau. Oh, yeah. That was a very pleasant surprise. Um, Yeah. Do I want to hint at what I'm going to try and play next week? Let's talk. Yeah, do a little hint. So, uh, the game does present you with a little more uh, guideline than just defeat Ganon. Uh, you are told to seek out Impa uh, mm. for more lore and more uh, stuff. So, I imagine what I'm going to do next time is just a very a long trek over to Kakariko to see Impa. And then I'll probably finish up by going to Hateno to unlock the rest of my iPad uh, apps. Okay. And then I will do stuff along the way. That's probably my intention. We'll see if that bears out. But All right. I'm going to shoot for that, like just, to, that. just to unlock my full tool set and get everything set up so that I can start actually you know, playing the game. Okay. Well, I'll see you on the other side. Uh, yeah. Uh, until next time. Uh, good podcast. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast. Look for new episodes on Thursdays. Our website is rcveter.net slash heroes path. That's not a very good URL for reading out loud. You'll figure it out. Our music is by Jason Yu. Find him online at jasonyu.me. That's all.